Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Friends, all of our Outcast listeners out there, you Outcasts, one and all, welcome to this episode. I'm Father Shane Demon. And I'm Father Travis Crotty. We are Outcast priests speaking to Outcast people, all working our way to be not Outcast in the Join Kingdom of God. the club. We will make Letterman jackets soon. Really? Nope. Okay. But they're coming back in style, you know. They are. It's pretty sweet. What are I going to say? Did you have one? Outcast Catholic? School? I did, yes. You still have it? You put it on sometimes? No. Nope. Okay. Do you think I stare at myself in the mirror with retro clothing or what? I don't know. That's weird. Um, you're, yeah, you're not like a peaked in high school kind of guy. So, I had one. You did. Lettered in football. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were very popular. Then they are coming back. They're coming back, yeah. yeah. Anyways. You know what we've done, Father Travis? We have successfully figured out our tech issues. We hope. We hope. We hope. We say a prayer. We have been just like riding high on this sweet um, road. That's a brand. Caster 3000, we call it. This podcasting (laughs) soundboard thing we purchased. The guys like the uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know guys who've been doing this a lot, lot longer than we have. Um, They've they've experienced all sorts of technical stuff. Well, podcasting has become so popular that, Father Shane, you found this really sweet little guy in front of us here. Yeah, little nice little mixer. Board. Yeah, and it was working really well, but then when we had Sister Carolyn on, mm-hmm. excellent episode, and then the juices were flowing. We're just we're just rolling with it, recording those episodes. Recorded a second episode. Awesome episode. I can't even remember what we talked about now at this point. What it was discernment about? tips. It was so good. Yeah, discernment. she was excellent. Sister Carolyn, if you're listening, we'll have you back. We'll have you back because we need to have that episode again. But then you went to put that on like two weeks later mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it sounded like there was this robot i don't know crazy just tech- yeah like static interference that just it, it was reminiscent of um the dial-up sound that would happen if you picked up the phone while somebody was using the computer yeah like the, the fax 90s. line yeah yeah like that <laughs> really actually exactly like that well done father thank you appreciate that. yeah it was kind of like this distorted heavy metal music in and the background was, <laughs> that was going and while that would have been an interesting uh approach to this podcast we Very actually interesting. did not have heavy metal music playing no nope. nor could we save that episode however after that for a couple more weeks month or two we're, we're doing fine. fine no big deal and then until it happened again it did but after a quick google search mm-hmm. um, as we were freaking out you were a little upset about it um, we we possibly found out the issue and have hopefully resolved it well when you don't know the issue you have no way of preparing like how is the technology going to be your friend in the future right right but we think we figured it out so we it seems as if when we download, when we hook up the, the soundboard to the computer, download an episode, and then send the technology back to the soundboard for uh, you know any other recordings, that's when the glitches come. Right. Something is not working, so we'll just keep everything unplugged very peacefully and download at a later date. You all care so much about how the technology is transported between a laptop and the soundboard, but we're here to tell you about it. They were Our listeners were up late at night they were. pondering this, well, biting their nails. I'm realizing people are very invested in these conversations. I mean, they're, they're still asking what your favorite treat is from Quick Trip. And I still have Iowa State students saying, get off the moped. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I... 
And I know uh, you've embraced it and everyone loves you for it. In, in I did uh, have Lamar's, the thought the other day, so. though, and I got to honestly say this to all the moped haters out there. Um, it might, it's kind of like a youth minister who they kind of cap at like being cool and relevant, like when they hit like 35. Okay. I just, I had this kind of like projection of the future. Like, I, I'm going to be a priest the rest of my life. And I live with a retired priest. I'm like, there will be a day when it's going to be very weird mm-hmm. to be driving around a moped. But old people drive on mopeds in in uh in Rome and stuff. It's no big deal, right? Yeah, different culture. In different, completely different, different culture. culture. <laughs> completely different culture where there's no parking spots for the uh, big vehicles that we have here. Yeah, I just the the gas I'm saving. Uh, hey, you yeah, you do your thing. Okay, whatever. You be the hit whatever. relevant priest on I your see, moped. I don't, I don't. I'm not trying to be that. I just like the moped. Well, you know, I think that's an authentic way to just be yourself, and that's a good witness to our culture. So good wow, for you. That's great. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, we're trying to we're trying to build up your self encouragement here. Yeah, self esteem is <laughs> I'll so give important. Give it to your nephew someday. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, so. You got some uh, you got some ideas for us today. Well, some, some juicy ca- topics. Juicy topics today. Counting on the technology working well that I know our listeners were just deeply curious about. Father Travis, I would like to talk about three things that I think, maybe perhaps in the past century or so, have just really categorized Midwest living. Do tell. So when we say Midwest living, uh, I know that sounds like a magazine cover, and we're supposed to talk <laughs> like about new, actually like it sounds like a new show on the Food Network, Midwest right? Midwest living, where you make <laughs> where you make seasonal dishes, Jello fluff salads in varying colors, <laughs> and call them salads, right? Seasonal dishes, and pans of bars, and seasonal decor followed by bars and fluff salad. No Midwest living. What I want to what I want to talk about for Midwest living. This is what I would categorize, what I'm calling, this is my own categorization, the three C's. The three C's that have just rocked the Midwest. Okay. Are you ready for this? Yep. All right. Seatbelts on, chin straps fastened. Here we go. The three C's. I think the Midwest has been completely reshaped by the car, the combine, and contraception. That was a weird... It was nice so attempt three, with the soundboard. The three C's. I was trying to have some sort of like conclusion to it, but that wasn't the best. Well, and when we, we the lacked, magical we harp, lacked, we lacked uh, like a like a metal guitar riff. We did, but the metal uh, is is I, impressive. As, if Max Carson, if Deacon Max Carson is listening, um, you can record a guitar riff for us, and we'll put this on our soundboard. Can't wait, Go can't ahead. wait. Soon to be three Father C's. Max Carson. Back to it. Three C's. The three C's. And when the harp came in, uh, that wasn't an endorsement for contraception. No. It's actually yeah, the, so th- the three C's that we're talking about are things I think have highly disrupted. Maybe this one. Perhaps. That's good. But, you know, the car and the combine have done wonderful things. So we can't say that it's all bad. But it's just things that have completely reshaped Midwest living. Yes. Right? So um, Father Matthew Crane is a, is a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls and uh, back in the day when I was in college seminary, I remember visiting with him and in his extremely intelligent, witty, and uh, in funny way, he was having a conversation with some people back home in the St. Cloud Diocese in north central um, Minnesota. And they were complaining about parish mergers and parish clustering. And so this is a process that's been going on for 20 years. This isn't anything that's really new today. Right. And uh, in his incredibly witty way, he just said to these people, I don't know if you've heard about it. But there was this major 20th century invention called the automobile. <laughs> and 
And it like has changed everything. Yeah. And like people just hop in it and they go to the bank and they go to the grocery store and they go see their friends and check on grandma and all these kind of things. Yep. And, you know, we can look in our own diocese here and I'm sure it's true across the Midwest. You can look at places like Ellendale, uh, the former church at Neptune. Yeah. We've got churches literally just out in the middle of nowhere. There's no town. It's people, just the church out never, in the field. You've never seen this. It's like, yeah, just a church with no houses around it right. by itself on a road. Right. And it was in- intentionally designed that way uh, where a number of farmers, you know, within easy distance of a horse and buggy early in the 20th century, perhaps even late 19th century, could easily come together for worship yep. and uh, and parish communities. Obviously, the transportation of automobiles has completely changed that, as has so many other economic factors in which people now, you know, find all their basic resources in larger urban areas. Yep. So it's one of the things that I think is just completely um, changed transportation forever. I don't know if we have fully understood the impact that this has had, because prior to the invention of the automobile, transportation, other than like the steamships um, on the ocean liners, know transportation at least on land major revolution with the railroad system and then prior to that <laughs> the wheel right it's which is <laughs> right. look look uh, looking a lot like you know the ancient civilizations yeah. uh animals and wheels so the same could be said about the combine mm-hmm. you know just radically changing the agricultural scene um pulling together uh the ability to harvest crops quickly efficiently with technology and you only need about one or two people maybe one guy to drive the the grain bin another guy to run the combine okay I got did it. i do it again yeah okay correct grain, me grain bins are stationary objects that you store grain in okay grain wagons are things you pull okay grain cars but they would actually <laughs> well they might be actually driving the grain wagon or sometimes they just drive a semi truck the semi truck you know with the grain trailer that they would take down yep. to the local um co-op Yes, the local co-op, <laughs> the exactly, yeah. the elevator, where they deposit it. Um, yes. I don't know that we have fully comprehended how, how drastically different that has changed the agricultural scene, in which you just don't need the manpower that you once had on, uh, on farms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, farming can be done in such automated ways now with little, little, you know, manpower needed really changing things quite a bit. And people who didn't grow up in a farming community wouldn't recognize this because they would drive through and they'd see crops all over the place. But I once drove south of kind of the town I grew up next to, Fonda, Iowa, with my great-grandmother who grew up south of town on an acreage. And we drove in what looked to me just like acres and acres and sections and sections of, that's a four-mile square, if you didn't know, a section Mm -hmm. um, for those listening, but of just, there were no homes, there were no uh, farmsteads, there were no acreages. It was just crops, just soybeans and corn. She would point out every quarter mile where families lived. When Absolutely. She and it, it, it shocked me because I knew that there used to be more of like a rural life that was happening outside of these towns that supported the economy of these small towns that allowed them to have their own theaters and a butcher shop and things like that and multiple schools and two high schools in some of these towns that were never bigger than a thousand people. But then when she really drove me through these gravel roads and pointed out that's where the Smiths live, that's where the Olsons live, that's where these people lived. And now there are no homes left. There are not even outbuildings left because they've just been sold off to be farmed by huge combines. Like you said, this second C and all the different farming implement that goes into it that are, are now GPS 
driven mm-hmm. where you have a man sit inside an air conditioned cab. Right. And I mean, you don't even have to turn by yourself right. anymore to plant. Right. Um, sometimes when you're combining with the, uh, with the semis driving, you have to be a little bit more hands on, but to plant a field now, you kind of just kick back. Right. It's wild. Um, right. But the, it, not to say these farmers aren't working hard. They have endless hours. Extremely hard, and especially because they have, back in the day, there was you were working very hard, but you might have 100 acres. Mm-hmm. Now there's thousands of acres that one kind of group of farmers and a few hired men might 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 work on their, by themselves. Right. Yeah. I have heard that same reality that you just spoke of, you know, by your grandmother's house. It's been all over our diocese. It's all over the Midwest. You could drive down these country roads, and there would have been just farmhouses dotting the hillside everywhere. And in in farmhouses, which, by the way, probably had anywhere from six to ten children in them, uh, which ah, don't exist anymore. The last C. Which brings us to the last C, the contraception. We'll probably have to dedicate other, other episodes to this. We're not going to get into a, a full thing on, you know, sexuality and the morality of all this right now. It'd be helpful to. Well, we can. We, we, we can, will. We right. will. Um, I won't, I won't mention his name. There is a retired Midwest bishop who um, the story is told. I wasn't there, but the story is told. He drove out to a small town, kind of had a town hall meeting. It had been previously announced that this parish was going to be closing. And this bishop got out, and it's a pretty contentious meeting as these, t- as these things tend to go, and the town people were all upset. And he started talking about the demographics, and he was talking about kind of pastoral planning throughout the, the region, and he talked about clergy numbers and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, the meeting was kind of dragging on, and it didn't seem to be a lot of consensus from what I gather from the story that I've heard told about this. And I think the bishop trying to try to, at the end was getting a little frustrated. <laughs> and finally, he had, having had enough, he just finally said to the people, how many Catholic families, how many Catholic households in this room right now have never practiced contraception? You didn't get a lot of takers raising their hands. Right. And he just, he leaned in the microphone and he said, that's why I'm closing you. And he walked out. Now, uh, you know, was that the most prudent way to conclude the meeting? I don't know. It certainly landed a point, you know. it, uh, And there, there's always a variety of reasons as to why parishes not, might need to close, whether a factory has closed and the population has shifted. Um, are there changing demographics with new ethnicities in the area? Are, are there ethnic churches that are just two blocks from one another? You know, there's always kinds of, there's always different reasons why, you know, pastoral planning and, and parish mergers or clusters or closures needs to take place. But he was, he was making a good point here that large areas of, of Christianity have just casually gone on with the culture to embrace the practice of contraception. And as family sizes decrease, there's just not the population, right? right. The schools aren't filled. The pews in the churches aren't filled. There's not, uh, there's not a lot of uh, just bodies around to sustain all the other ancillary you know, community events, functions, businesses, what what have you. It's not the only reason that um, the demographic, you know, landscape has shifted, but it is a, a major con- a contributing factor mm-hmm. that I don't think we're really honest enough. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for all of our listeners out there, if this is affecting you, that might certainly be something you need to talk to, to uh, talk to your local pastor about, talk to some trusted uh, 
witnessing Christians who are, are authentically trying to live a, a Catholic faith or a, a strong Christian faith. Maybe talk to your know, local uh, medical officials, you know, talk to your local doctor and say, what other alternatives are available if I want to move away from this? Yeah, and I think it's important for people to know because I think when you think of that kind of traditional, for our diocese anyways, Iowa farming family, people have this kind of, oh, they throw it in our face a little bit. Oh, those Catholics breeding like rabbits, right? And Pope Francis has said recently, like, um, oh, how do you say it? Like, uh, planning, planning your family, uh, responsible parenting mm-hmm. is important. Responsible parenting is important in understanding, Absolutely. like, yeah, economic strains that are that are a reality in a lot of parts of parts of the world. But I think the biggest the biggest consideration is, yeah, if, if that's the reality, um, to to look at your family size, or whatever. Yeah, the church has taught natural family planning and the different methods of natural family planning that have been developed and have been improved over the past few decades is, is really incredible. Right. But I think the understanding that um, responsible parenting has always been um, a teaching of the church. It's not like just, just you know, have as many kids as possible um, and to put this strain on, on a family or on a community. But I think when you do ask these families, I was just talking to a couple, they both came from families of 14 children mm-hmm. and had 12 children. They're, I'm sure they had hardships, like any people have hardships, but they didn't have, I mean, it wasn't this like terrible, awful experience they had of, um, of, of having this burden of family. No, the, the family now, now is, is, is enormous and they're surrounded by their family and they're in their old age, in their nineties mm-hmm. as they are. And it's actually really beautiful to see that, that, that can be the kind of a full life, um, that openness to, to life looks like. Right. I think that's helpful to state that father. And anytime we talk about contraception, I think there can be this enorm, uh, this initial defensiveness that pops up to say, well, I don't know why the church is trying to regulate my sexuality, and I don't understand why the church keeps telling me I need to have like a million babies. Yeah, That's not what we're saying. No. Okay. Prudential decisions based on your circumstances, whatever's going on in your life, um, there's a number of factors that could be taken into that to how do, how do I discern with my spouse what is our family size that would be ideal, and how do we keep our minds and our hearts open to what God would right. want, even beyond our preferences? But I think what I think what you're pointing out. Well, sorry if you're going to finish that. No, go ahead. There. It, on a practical level, though, because I'd, I mean it would be so helpful to hash out really like the the understanding behind the church's teaching on um, on natural family planning and on on uh, sexuality and family life. But practically, when people are looking at their communities and sort of bemoaning the fact that they've that they're dying, it's not a surprise when you say, "Okay, you had two children, you sent them both to university studies. They both have now successful jobs that they that they acquired with their university degrees. It's no wonder that the economy and the life of this community is dying. Right? There's no wonder. It's like the two children you have are now in big cities all over the country, mm-hmm. having their own families. So that what's what's the what's the desire to stay? Right. Just talking to somebody who grew up in um, another rural part of the country, in a different state, kind of the Northwest. And I mean, the, the idea is like, I think, I think the person's brother said, this is the type of town you get out of as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And that was the idea because this is a dying community. So we should be educated and leave as soon as possible. Right. Um, not, not that that needs to happen, but it's, it's good to be aware that that's the mentality sometimes. Right. Have. So I think in, in talking about these three C's, Father, we're really not, you know, solving anything here today. Right. And there isn't necessarily, like, the morale of the story is. 
I think I, I just offer these three C's uh, as a way for all of us to kind of contextualize where we're at. And maybe someone can think of a fourth C or a fifth C. There might be other realities that we're up against. Um, but as we as we grapple with these changing realities and the nostalgia that we meet when so many of our elderly parishioners who who just don't see the reality of parish life in in rural America that they once enjoyed, how do we contextualize that? And how do we just kind of find our way and navigate this this reality that can seem very disorientating from previous generations? Mm-hmm. Um, and in future episodes, having identified these three C's, we can dive into them and unpack them a little bit more, but I think we can also talk about, well, where do we go from here? Right. And what does the fruit of rural life and parish life look like across the Midwest? We'll bring a, a farmer on to give you a proper instruction on what to call different pieces of farm implement. I probably need that. I think so. I, I probably honestly do too. I act like I know more than I do, but I don't really, <laughs> don't really know. I'm just going to say lastly, um, the whole time we've been talking about these three C's, and not, not to just kind of like return to some nostalgia, because all this does is it, it invites us to see where the Lord is, is still working and how he's how we're moving forward. Mm-hmm. But um, I recently watched the movie, the kind of very beautiful artistic film called A Hidden Life by Terrence Malick. Right. Um, and interestingly, just to see how these things have so drastically affected us, this is in the 40s in Austria. They have neither automobiles, uh, or they have automobiles, but in this small town where the movie takes place with Franz Jägerstetter, who's now his cause open for canonization. He's a blessed leader yes. of the church. Yeah, they have they don't have cars. They don't have combines and they don't have contraception. Right. And the life that supports that, that, that grew a saint in that area that allowed him to dissent from the Nazis Mm -hmm. in some ways, like those, (laughs) the lack of those three things are just so present in that film as they're plowing a field with a horse and their own hands. Right. Um, So yeah, just to, just to realize the difference of that, that's just been in my mind this whole time. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Friends, thanks for tuning in and joining us. We'll be unpacking some of these themes in future episodes um, keep praying for us and we'll be praying for you and God bless. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time and God bless.